So welcome everybody in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. The Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And as I was studying and uh, thinking about what I should preach this morning, I must say we're living in very interesting times. The coming of the Lord is advanced and is at hand very, very soon. Praise the Lord. Uh, there was something you all might have seen when you watched the news and the fire burning. There was, um, I think, SPS, was it SPS? There was written in big, bold letters, praying for rain. Praying for rain. You wouldn't find this in Germany, that uh, TV station would say, pray for rain. I must say, wonderful, praise the Lord. We have prayed for rain, and there came something. But the Lord can give even more, hallelujah. And even more, you know, as we all have heard, this man, I think it was in uh, Malakuta or somewhere else where the fire was, he was previously an atheist. And uh, so he stood in front of a firewall that was coming towards him. And if nothing would have changed, he would observe by the fire and just evaporate it into nothing. And then he cried out to God, Oh God, help, or whatever. And he said it on TV. But of course, he didn't repeat it again. There's only one set, and then it should be okay. And he said the fire turned. In that moment, the wind came from a different direction and blew this firewall away. Not only this, my friends in Switzerland and Germany have read about it and heard about it in the German TV. Could you imagine? Wonderful, praise the Lord. God is so good. God is so good. And we can be so glad they will live in this country. And the Lord has been good to everyone. And so we want to worship the Lord this morning. <coughs> now, uh, how many wives or how many husbands go with their wives shopping? Hand up. So these are all the good husbands. These are all the good husbands. Is it right, you, your wives? Yeah. I went with a shopping, and only if it goes uh, buying clothes for her, then I'm looking for a chair somewhere. There must be a chair. And then I sit down. Now, this time I went to the shopping center, and uh, so I thought, I deserve a cup of coffee. <laughs> and so she went into Aldi, and I always placed myself in that way with my face to the exit from Aldi. As soon as she comes out from Aldi, I'm up on helping her. Yes, that's what I do. <laughs> and so... But this time, I had always a special place. If anybody has been in Schoenstatt Park, there, there is um, 
uh, colorful cow. Yeah, different colors. Uh, green, blue, yellow, black, and red, and so on. And I said, when you seek me, I'm sitting there where the colorful cow is and have my cup of tea. <laughs> now, unfortunately, this seat was occupied. <laughs> a lady was there already and had her coffee. And I looked around a little bit, and there was a table, and a man was there, and... I asked him, may I sit down and have my coffee? Oh, yes, oh, yes, no worries. So because I have to have a view into Aldi's exit. And it's nice from here, I can see where my wife comes, I can go. That's what we have to do, Peter, isn't that right? Yes. Wonderful. So there are more people than I who do these things. Now, okay, I have my coffee, I put it down on the table. And as I usually do, I put my hands together and thank the Lord for coffee. Because we heard something last Sunday, our dear brother preached a very important sermon. Thanksgiving without turkey. But thanksgiving with a grateful heart. Amen. And that was so good. And I thought I'd give thanks to the Lord for the coffee. And... I just hardly finished my prayer, and this man who was sitting there said, are you religious? I said, no, I'm not religious. Do you believe I'm not religious? Who believes that I'm religious? <laughs> I'm not religious. I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian born again. People think if you thank the Lord, then you're religious. And then I explained to him what religion means, actually. Religion is an ugly word. Religion comes from the Latin word religios, and it means binding back to something we have the notion we might come from. Somehow in everybody is this notion, even in the darkest jungle, amongst the primitive tribes, they have religion. And what do they have in their heart? They know there must be somewhere a God, but we don't know him. And that's why they make some kind of a little idol and worship it, and then they have their own religion. I explained to him, I'm not religious, I'm a Christian. And interesting, we came to many things to speak about. I said to him, I'm a pastor, and I have to search these things with God, whether they're genuine. Have you ever read the Bible? No, no, no. But, but I have about 20 different Bibles at home. I said, read at least in one. Lead, read. And so we spoke about a very important issue. I told him the story about this man who faced the firewall. And God changed it. God changed it. Hallelujah. And it's wonderful. So I spoke about the Lord. I told him also there's one nation in this world. And if this nation wouldn't have been, we would have no, no reason, no reason, no solid evidence that God's word is true. What is that nation? 
Germans, no. Israel, hallelujah. Our dear sisters back from Israel. <laughs> yeah. Israel, the great nation, hallelujah. And Israel shows us very clearly that we are in the last minutes of his coming. It could be that Jesus will come very, very soon. I told him about Ezekiel 38 and all these things. And of course he said, well, I've been recently in Germany. He picked up that I'm a German. <laughs> Have you picked up that I'm a German? Yeah? I can't deny it, can I, Sister Vani? I can't deny it. And he said, oh, I've been in Germany. And so uh, people think very great things about a German cars. Mercedes-Benz, BMW, Audi, and so on. And so, well, they're not different to any other car. Just the sheet metal is a little bit differently bent. And that's in form. That's all. But somehow, Aussies have the idea that German cars are the top cars. I'm not driving a German car. So, but I told him it's important that we read the word of God and that God is committed to his word. And Israel is a very strong sign in these days. Hallelujah. I said to him, go home and read at least Ezekiel 38. And then Ella came. I nearly missed her because my eyes were not <laughs> to the exit. My eyes were turned to this man. And all of a sudden, Ella stood there with the shopping trolley. And it's so good to testify about Jesus. I said, I must know that the Bible is true. I'm a pastor. What should I preach to the people if the Bible would not be true? The Bible is true. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Show me your Bible this morning. The Bible is true. And you can stake your whole life, even eternal life, up on this book, the Bible. Hallelujah. Now, this is not the Bible, a piece of plastic. <laughs> but you can stake your life upon. And God always keeps his word. Hallelujah. And as I was studying on tour with Paul, you know what I'm preaching about. Yes, on tour with Paul. And I want to preach this morning from Acts chapter 21, verses 37 to chapter 22, 1 to 23. Christ in a book of Acts or traveling with Paul. It was interesting, you know, I would have loved to travel with him. And anyone who was on a mission trip, those who went recently to the Philippines, it's interesting, isn't it? Listen to Pastor Gay preaching the word of God, people responding to the gospel, and so on. That was certainly a wonderful experience. But even Paul had people with him who traveled with him. And if I could have traveled with him, I would have been amazed seeing all the things 
and the wisdom Paul got out of the word of God, and he was able to refute all these, these uh, Jews and showed them that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Hallelujah. Any pastor who can't show it from the Bible that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, let him stop his preaching, let him go and do some sweeping of the streets or whatever. The Bible is true, hallelujah. The Bible is true. Now Paul, and he had somebody who was with him, and his name was Dr. Lucas. Have you heard about Dr. Lucas? Yes? He was always with him together. And he wrote everything down. And now let me read from chapter 22, the verses 39 and a little bit down. Now Paul was already in Jerusalem. And we know the story. Wherever he was, people were against him, especially the Jews. And let's read. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the commander, uh, verse 37, yeah, have you got it? He said to the commander, may I say something to you? And he said, do you know Greek? Anybody here? Do you know Greek? Let me see all those who know Greek. Yes. Jim, Jesus and me. That's right. Do you know Greek? Then you are not the Egyptian who sometimes go, go stirred up a revolt and let the 4,000 men of the assassin into the wilderness. But Paul said, I am a Jew of Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of a no insignificant city, and I beg you, allow me to speak to the people. When he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the stairs, motioning to the people with his hand, and when there was a great hush. So, to paint this picture a little bit, Paul was caught by the Jews of the diaspora. You know what it means? the Jews of the diaspora who were not living in Israel, they lived somewhere else. And they came to Jerusalem and they wanted to dub Paul in because he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and they brought all sorts of things uh, about him and against him. But then he, and then he spoke in Hebrew dialect saying, Brethren and fathers. Now the Hebrew dialect was a Jewish Aramaic. That's what Jesus also, also spoke. Now, and then he spoke. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense, which I know, which are now offered to you. And when they heard that he was addressing to them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. And he said, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as you all are today. 
I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prison. As also the high priests and all the council of the elders can testify from them, I also received letters to, to the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. But it happened that as I was on my way, approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me and fell, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. And now, who were, and those who were with you saw, with me saw the light, to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking with me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told and of all that, that has been appointed to you. But since I could not see because of the bright light of the day, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. A certain Ananias, a man who was devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing near me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very time I looked up at him. And he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear the utterance of his mouth. For you will be a witness for him for, to all men of, of what you have seen and heard. Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on his name. What do you delay? Now he was uh, just a few days there in Damascus. Three days he was blind. And then Ananias said, Now what are you delaying? You need to be baptized. So baptism is not something we should do after 20 years that you proved yourself you are a genuine Christian. No, baptism in the early time of the apostles and the early church was happening now and then when somebody gave his life to Jesus and believed him in, in him. He got baptized, amen? Hallelujah. Even if it was at night, think of the jailer in Philippi. 
in the night he got baptized and he was rejoicing with his whole household. And it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple. I saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, O oh Lord, they themselves understand that, I, that in one synagogue after another, I used the, uh, the, to imprison and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of your witnessed Stephen was being shed, I also was standing by approving and watching out for the coats of those who were slaying him. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. They listened to him up to this statement, and then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Your word is so true, Lord Jesus. And I pray that your word this morning might cut our hearts and that we might understand. I thank you, Lord, what your word has done then when Paul was preaching all the apostles and the early church and all the early believers. Hallelujah. Your word is so wonderful. I pray, Lord Jesus, give grace to speak your word, give grace to listen to your word, and also give grace to act upon your wonderful word. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Now, Paul was seized in the temple, as I said, by the Jews, and they came around him, and they were trying to um, uh, kill him. But a commander of the Roman cohort took hold of Paul and brought him into the barracks. While Paul was carried by the soldiers, remember before, he was chained with two chains around his feet and around his hands. It came to pass exactly as Agapus, Agapus, prophesied some chapters before that Paul will be chained with two chains by hands and feet. Now and then he was let into the the place where the soldiers were. Now next to the to the temple, there was actually a barrack. And that was the barrack of, or the fortress of Antonia. And there were many, many soldiers in there. And while they were carrying him out on up to the stairs, I mean the soldiers, then Paul asked them, can I have a word to the people? And I said, yes. And Paul spoke to his defense while he was standing up on the stairs. 
all the stairs down there were the people because they were following him. They wanted to get a hold of Paul. And Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, brought up in this city in Jerusalem, educated under Gamaliel. Now, who was Gamaliel? It's very important to understand. And that's why we see Paul, why he was also a Pharisee. Now, Gamaliel, he was the top theologian in that time in Judaism. Now his grandfather formed the group of the Pharisees. His grandfather was Hillel. And there were two different schools in those days. And Hillel was the one who founded the Pharisees. And Paul was a, a, he was a pupil under the teaching of Gamaliel. Now Paul, he heard all this and he got a good education. But he was zealous for God and blind zeal is actually fighting against God. He had a blind zeal. Blind zeal is fighting against God. If you want to serve the Lord, you've served the Lord with all of your heart and not just a blind zeal as Paul had. And we know exactly what happened to him. And he speak, spoke about his experience when he was on the ground. He heard the voice of Jesus. And he wanted to do something before. He was on the way to Damascus in order to bind those who were there worshiping the Lord and bring them down to Jerusalem. Paul, in his blind zeal, was stopped by God. There's so many people who want to serve the Lord, but there's a blind zeal, and the Lord wants to give us wisdom as well. There was a man in the Bible, and the Bible speaks about a false prophet. And have you heard that name, Balaam? Balaam? Now, he, he was full of zeal because he was hired by Balak, or Balak to come and curse Israel. He was actually against Israel and should come and curse Israel. But whenever we fight against the people of God, God will step in our way. And this man headed Three times where donkey saw more than he. And sometimes we need better vision than donkeys. And that donkey had a good vision. He saw somebody. And we know as he was on his way to Barak in order to curse Israel, there was a place that was very narrow. And in front of the donkey stood the angel of the Lord with a drawn sword. And the donkey went over to the other side and went into the field. Now Balak, Balaam, he was angry. He took his stick and hit the donkey. Brought him back to the road. And we see here 
they came another spot. Everybody who is persecuting the church of Jesus Christ is fighting God. You're not fighting man, you're fighting God. This donkey sword, there's an angel of the Lord standing in front of him. Now at the second time, there was a narrow space, space again. It was where the vineyards were. There was not room on the left side, nor on the right side. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord with a drawn sword. And he went to one side where this wall was. And he squeezed the foot of Balaam against the wall. And Balaam got angry. And he hit the donkey again. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord. He couldn't turn anywhere. And then we, the third time came there in Numbers 22, verse 24. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path of the vineyards, which a wall with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pressed herself to the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. It was a she-donkey, a female donkey. So that's what I realized. When we think about the donkey of uh, Balaam, we always think it was a male donkey. No, it was a she-donkey. She was scared of the sword of the angel of the Lord. Now, I could imagine that he was limping because getting your foot being squeezed by a donkey against a rock wall that could hurt quite a bit. And we read in the Bible there was another one, another one who had a limp. And we read it in chapter 32 in Genesis. Anybody knows who it was? He was fighting and wrestling with the angel of the Lord. It was Jacob. And he could not overcome the angel. And we know the angel touched his hip, and he was limping. And we read there in Genesis 32, verse 30. So Jacob named the place Peniel. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my soul my life has been preserved. Jacob saw God, and it's impossible to see God and live. That's what the Lord told Moses one day. When Moses said, show me your glory, and what did God say? Nobody can see my glory and live. Because the glory of God is so powerful, we can't stand it. And here, you see, Jacob understood he was fighting against um, with the angel of the Lord. And the Lord touched him. And now he said, I have seen God face to face. Hallelujah. And my life has been preserved. So we see very interesting that the Lord spoke to Saul in a similar way as 
Balaam was in his zeal for, for his thing to curse Israel, to fight against Israel. But we can be sure if anybody fights against the people of God, the Lord is there. Amen. Hallelujah. Maybe he might get an, an angel of the Lord to face. Now, Paul faced here Jesus Christ. And we know the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is always, a, as we said, a Christophany that shows Christ is there. And now Paul saw Christ and heard his voice. Now, why was Jesus crucified? Did you know that? Okay, he was crucified and paid the price for our sins, but not in the eyes of the Pharisees or of the eyes of Israel or the Romans. In the eyes of the council and Sanhedrin was this, we crucified Jesus that he should never be heard. No one should speak of Jesus anymore. And that's what the Bible says very clearly in Acts 4, 18 and 20, when Peter and John were standing before the Sanhedrin. And we read there, And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than God, rather than to God. You be the judge. In other words, you know exactly we must obey God more than your word. You are the judge. And they knew it exactly. And we see here that was the thing Jesus was crucified that he and his name never ever should be named again. But Peter and John, they were witnesses of Jesus, what they have seen and what they have heard. And he is alive. Hallelujah. Now we know this story. There was about 20 years ago that slogan in some lukewarm churches, God is dead. God is dead. This is a saying from Friedrich Nietzsche. He said, God is dead. And some graffiti artist in New York in the underground station wrote it with graffiti on the wall. God is dead in bracket Nietzsche. And there came somebody like my dear brother James. He came by and passed by, read this, and he took his graffiti can out and wrote, Nietzsche is dead, in bracket, God. I know you wouldn't do that because of the paint and stuff like that. But we see here, God is alive, hallelujah. Although they said, don't talk in the name of Jesus any longer. 
preach no more in the name of Jesus, but we can't stop. Now, it's important that we are witnesses for Jesus. Billy Bray, a uh, so-called, and that was his name in history, he went into history under this name, the Hallelujah Billy. Do you know people who can praise the Lord at any time? He always praised the Lord, Hallelujah, and he couldn't stop praising the Lord always. And he was asked, what would you do, Billy, if you would go to hell? No, I'm not going to hell, he said. I know I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. But just hypothetically, if you would go to hell, what would you do? And he said, I will scream as loud as I can. Hallelujah! 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 Till the devil said, get rid of this guy. Take him out from here. He is spoiling the whole thing here. We are spoiling the things of the devil by praising God. Amen? Hallelujah. So, and he was also asked, now what would you do? And in those days, people were persecuted and did all sorts of things to persecute people and said, if you would be put into a barrel, you know, the, the de- barrels from timber, you know, and they had the steel bands around and then inside you and roll you through the city on the streets. What would you say? He said, well, I would scream hallelujah through the bunkhole of this barrel. I would scream hallelujah. A servant of the Lord, you can't stop him. He preaches, he speaks, and praises the Lord. Hallelujah. Now we see people listened to Paul up to this point. And when he said, well, I saw Jesus in a dream. And Jesus said all these things to me. In verse 22, they listened to him up to this statement. And then they raised their voice and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. Why all of a sudden such a change? These Jews, when they heard that the apostle is going to be sent by Jesus to all the nations, you know what Paul did actually? He did that, what he said we should do, in Romans 11, 11. It says, I say then, they did not stumble, he speaks about Israel, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be, but by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them what? To make them what? Jealous. To make them jealous. And that's what is so important. That Israel might become jealous of all the nations who love the Lord and might cry out to the Lord 
one day. So, now Paul, he wasn't brought into the barracks. And the next day, he came to another council, to another judgment. Being in those days a follower of Jesus was not easy. There were persecutions. And also nowadays, many Christians are persecuted. But don't lose heart. Let's pray for the persecuted Christian that they might get help from the Lord in the point where they're suffering under. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you made Paul a witness. Lord, and his witness and his preaching came to us, O Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that we today can believe your wonderful word and have your word. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can preach your word. And I thank you, Lord, for everything you are doing. Let us, O Lord, be zealous for you, but with love for you. Blessed be your wonderful and glorious name. Amen.